Hey, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to Astro Sleep, the sleep podcast. Very happy you guys could join me again for another episode because this one is going to be a little bit different than normal. With this one, I have six short stories ready for you guys. Six short, short stories. All right. And this episode will involve me getting a lot more vocal and sharing my opinions on exactly what we read because these stories are stories based on life. All right. Now, it's a very broad subject. However, I do feel it can be condensed into a few specific subjects of life. Now, I'm not going to review what subjects they may be, but there are aspects of life that many of us cling on to. I do believe looking into broader subjects with a bit of tunnel vision does us good and helps us really reflect and find out how we perceive things in the world. Usually perspective and opinions are things being given to us by social media, the news, our friends and family, right? But very rarely is it something that we have, you know, thought on, pondered on, and decided this is how I view things and this is what I'm comfortable with, right? And I love opening those type of spaces because it helps us all grow as individuals and become well-rounded people. And that's actually one of my goals personally, to become a well-rounded individual. All right. So I think this is a great step and a great way to enter in that kind of a habit for the long term. Definitely for the long term. All right. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Alright, this first story is by Mac006 and it's called A Pragmatic Take. There's an old saying, for every cigarette you smoke, you lose one minute of your life. By this saying, if you smoke one cigarette a day, you would lose a little over 60 hours of your life a year. So, roughly, Every four years, you lose a day of your life. That sounds reasonable to me. I'm willing to take one day of my life at the end when I'm what? 70, 80, 90, or even 100 to feel some pleasure. I do love my cigarettes after all. But why stop there? One day every four years is not a horrible amount. Two cigarettes will lose me a day every two years. Four will lose me a day a year. I am what? 25? So I lose a day a year, and I live till I'm 80, I'll lose 55 days of my life. Wait, when I say it like that, it is a month and a half, that's a bit. Then again, this is at the end of my life. My friends and family will most likely be dead, I'll be a bitter old person who might even hate the youth. What a horrible fate. Nah, I'll not be like that. But lowering the amount of time I could be like that is not the worst thing in the world. So. I've decided, at most, to smoke four cigarettes a day. Maybe to lower my intake as I get older. Who knows? Maybe I will like being old. It would only be when I'm old that I'll be facing that anyway. 55 years is a long time from now. So, four a day, that is one every six hours, but that doesn't count sleep. Hmm. 
I sleep about six hours a day, so that lowers the hours I am awake to 18. 18 divided by four is four and a half. Let's see, I wake up at 6 a.m., I have one then, then I have one during my lunch break about 12.30. I then will wait till I get off of work and have about one about five o'clock, probably my car on the way home from work. Finally, around 9, 9.30, I'll have my last one. I then go to sleep at midnight. Wait, that is two and a half hours at the end of the night where I won't have one. Maybe I should up it to five cigarettes then. Let's see. If I do that, it will be... No way, my math was wrong. I would need to smoke my second cigarette at 10.30. Wow. I was off by a lot. That would then be followed by 3 and then 7.30. Then the smoking would stop for the night. There is where I add the fifth cigarette before I go to bed. After all, one minute a day is not that horrible. This also raises the question of my lunch break. I could sneak one out at 10.30. My work allows smoke breaks, but my lunch break would not have one then. So I add one there as well. So that is six cigarettes a day. I do that, I lose, let's see. I'm going to need a calculator for this at this point. Uh, six times three, 60 divided by 60, 36 hours a year. Okay. I smoke for estimated 55 years and I come up with 1,980 hours. Divide that number by 24 and I get 82 days. That is over two months. I will be 80 by then and probably sickly and an old asshole. So living a slightly shorter time might be for the best. Yeah, I'll smoke six cigarettes a day. That is not too many and I will not kill myself smoking that few. So all that in mind, what time is it? 4.30, so I'm halfway between cigarettes. All this math has made me a bit worried, especially with the thought of losing two minutes at the end of my life. Oh, what the hell. One cigarette only cost me a minute, and one minute at the end of my life? Isn't that important? Wow, to witness someone quantifying their entire life based on one factor that they enjoy and don't wish to give up is is interesting. Honestly, I, I can't really imagine reducing my life to how many times can I smoke per day. Personally, I just don't smoke. That's not my thing. I enjoy the sober life. <laughs> it's difficult to go through life completely sober, maybe, but I thoroughly enjoy the sober life. But wow. I just feel like life has so much more value and I trust you guys also believe life has so much more value but it's crazy to think that people actually genuinely look at their life as simple as this right I have a list of 30 goals I have to achieve I have to achieve for me to feel comfortable and feel satisfied with where I've gone in life and that's just fine that is completely just fine do what is true to you and pursue things that you find valuable in life and then base your life around it it's as simple as that it seems like most people in life find you know family valuable so they they will base their life around family which is a beautiful thing to see right and i have a few different values that i do not wish to ever give up so as much as i might not have them right now in my hands 
I know for a fact I'll be basing my life around those values and working towards them as a whole. So, yeah, quite, quite the viewpoint, honestly, quite the viewpoint. Alright, so with the second story, it is called Inferiority by Amaranth. You don't really know what you want to be. Who are you? You know exactly who you're supposed to be, but you can't ever be like her. You'll never be as courageous as she was. You'll never be as strong as her. You'll never be as talented as her. You're annoying, so annoying. Why don't you just shut up about it? Why do you have to keep on thinking like this? The more you do this, the worse you're going to get. But I deserve it. You deserve it. You can't do your job properly. Why do you have to be the outlier? Why don't you want to be anything else? You have a role to fulfill, so start doing it. You're lazy. You're stupid. It's silly you haven't gotten the message yet. What if you just went away, and then you were replaced by someone else much better than you? Wouldn't that be grand? Then you'd be free. You could do whatever you like. You wouldn't be despised for being a failure. I don't know what I'd do. I'll just deal with it. Keep on going places for no reason. I'll keep running. Keep being stupid. I mean, it's not like when I try to be different it works. You know your predecessor is liked by everyone, right? But she was also miserable. Couldn't even get what she wanted. But you can't get what you want. Can you? You want it all to stop. To just exist without anything forcing you to do anything. That's just how life is, isn't it? <sighs> What's wrong with me? I keep asking that. You know the answer. You're too emotional. At least she could hide them until she died. That's why she died. Letting her fears take control. Stop being so scared, you coward. There's so much to be scared of, though. I don't want to die. I don't. I'd rather just never exist at all. Don't think things like that. It's bad for you. I can't help it. I'm not supposed to feel this way. I'm not meant to think of things like this. I can't help it. I can't stop it. What if I just curled up into a ball so hard nobody saw me? I wish it wasn't here. I really wish it was different. Stop it. Think of something else. I like this world. It's beautiful. And if I went somewhere, I'd never see this place again. How could I? Knowing how many problems are walking around, waiting for their throats to be scuffed. You're still a failure and a mistake. No matter how pretty the world is, it doesn't change that fact. I'll... I don't know. I don't know how I'll do. What am I to do? What's possible? I've just been sitting here doing nothing. I'm useless. You'll never know who you really want to be. Alright, there we go. And I'm hoping a number of y'all were able to keep up with the back and forth mind battle that was going on in this. It was a little confusing at first for me to really like catch on what was happening, especially to, you know, read it. However, when I caught on, I found that very interesting and just how relatable that is for each and every one of us. 
I'm not sure a lot of people will agree with me on this thought process, but but I truly believe one of the greatest battles you will fight in your life happens within the mind. It will definitely happen within the mind, whether it comes towards healing or facing a certain issue or debating a level of morality. It's all within the mind first before I ever translate to something out in the real world, right? So. I do truly believe the greatest battle ever fought is within the mind, right? And to see that put before us visually for us to like comprehend and really dive deep into, it's a lot, it's a lot. And I loved seeing how it wasn't such a linear journey. At some point it had looked like she had finally, you know, understood herself to a degree and was fine with what she came up with. And then for her to double back and continue on that back and forth with herself, degrading herself and not feeling 100% comfortable. That's usually how it is, right? Healing is never linear. Life in general is just not linear, right? But that was beautiful to see, despite it being painful. And it might have been painful for some of y'all to listen to that, but it was beautiful nonetheless. Hopefully it even maybe clarified a few things for some of y'all. I know it gave me a new perspective on how I might think through things a little bit from here on out. Alright, and the next story is called, What Will Be Left For Those Without Purpose? By Sistix. Hopefully I got the name correct. How do you find worth in the world? Is it experiences that come your way? Is it the people you surround yourself with? Is it the sheer will to disappoint the world's expectation for you to crumble? This is something Devin considers often. They don't feel like the world needs them here, and it's not really a bad thing. Some people are here to make an impact in the world, and Devin just isn't one of them. They'll help from the background, help their companions overthrow this corrupt system, but they can't see themselves in the lead. They weren't made for that. Their partner, Phi, was though. She could convince someone with just a few words, sway the people's opinion in their favor. Phi loves the spotlight, loves the praise. It would be a better environment than the negativity of Devin's shadow looming. Devin has always tried to find three or more reasons to stay somewhat relevant with others. First, their friends. They don't know how much each of their quote-unquote friends, more like allies under our truce most likely, cares about them. But if one dies, then all of them do. It's a problem with the dynasties. You can't leave without killing the others. Secondly, pure spite. All of the people that made them suffer told them that they would die before they could ever amount to anything. Them living to this point was a big fuck you to all of those officials who laughed at them for the thought of saving the city. Third, the liberation of the godforsaken city. If they abandoned the citizens before the city was freed, they would be no better than those who imprisoned the city to begin with. Devin knows that they will succeed, and they're glad, but it also scares them because what's for them to do after this? They've spent almost all of their life fighting for change, and they will have no purpose after it's done. 
the world has no place for someone who's outlived their purpose. But what have they even done to save the city? It took them years to start making an impact, and it might even take more to finish. Do they even deserve to say that they were a part of it? They can't compare to what their companions have done. Phi has risked her life over and over by throwing herself straight into the fray. Devin can't count on all of their companions' hands and toes the amount of times that they thought Phi was going to die. Vence is willing to get her hands dirty willing to dig deep and instigate further than anyone. To be honest, Vince had found nearly 90% of the most integral information for their operations and has no fear for the consequences or the people she has on her tail wanting her head. When told of the danger, she just laughed and said, they can watch me prove them wrong. God, even though Devin hates Demos with a burning passion, he still risks his neck for them. Being an official himself, if they found out his traitorous hobbies, he would disappear faster than Devin could blink. The fact that Dimos has stayed under the radar until now shocked them. Nonetheless, the fact that he was alive and still being as noticeable as possible is better than Devin's lack of, well, anything. They seek out people that Vance can't. They're only on missions to get Phi the materials she needs, and are barely needed to learn targets for Demos. Their existence is pointless when they're surrounded by people who are far more talented than themselves. Even though Devin has come to terms with these realizations, they are somewhat surprised at their companion's lack of cooperation to their news. Vance immediately goes quiet before loudly challenging them to different games. Darren is pretty sure that they are throwing the contests, but she just laughs and tells them to stop being so fucking humble. Vi gives a gentle smile. Devin is much more used to a boisterous one and reminds them for the rest of the day that they do matter. They'll also catch Vi failing to stealthily hide tiny gifts to them afterwards or will let everyone know at their next heist that my little dove found all your weaknesses and you wish you had a partner like mine. But of everyone's reactions, Devin found Demos the most comforting. He invites Devin to drink. But by the way, first rule of Demos's house, everything is typically poisoned. The only not poisoned food is anything you bring, but even then, there's still a chance. Yet somehow, all the wine he has during their chats is completely fine. And they both just sat out on his terrace, overlooking a part of the city. Sometimes these sessions have them talking or arguing, but it's mainly comfortable silence besides the city below. Out of all their companions' reactions, Devin likes Demos's the most. They may almost never get along. After all, they are each other's self-proclaimed nemesis but they know that they are the same. There is no need for words, no need for comforting actions. Just a simple recognition of the knowledge of each other's struggles will do. Devin finds themselves at a party that Demos is throwing, a combination of New Year's and a successful heist. They hold two slips of paper, one that holds a message that they wrote a year ago for themselves, and an empty waiting for words to give to the year to come. Unfurling the first one, 
reveals a question that they've been pondering for a while. What will be left for those without a purpose? They stare at the paper before turning their attention to the blank slip. After they finish writing, the paper was dropped into the jar, floating down gently before settling beside three different slips of different origins. Devin moves away from the jar and returns to the side of their companions. Perhaps this year they'll find another purpose, another way to help no longer in the shadows, but in the light. What is left for those without a purpose is a chance to start anew. Even if it doesn't feel like it now, you'll find your place, your purpose. You might feel like you don't matter, but you do. Don't give up, especially if others wish to see you fall. Get up, brush the dirt off, and tell them to go fuck themselves. You are the only one who can decide your purpose and your destiny. Rise up from the darkness and become a beacon of light. Devin Bow, a year ago. Okay, now with that story, hopefully it wasn't too confusing. Now the character Devin that we were reading as went by the pronouns they, them. So hopefully that was something that you guys caught on to fairly quickly. It wasn't too confusing. Um, if it now makes sense, I suggest going back for it to kind of like, you know, click. The idea of completing your purpose early in life and then having to find something new to do, I can't really imagine it. However, that's only because I feel like I have one purpose and I have multiple goals, multiple mini purposes to hit to get to that point, right? Of fulfilling that one purpose. But wow, that must be quite a hollowing experience to say that you have actually done exactly what you needed to do in this lifetime. And, and that's it. You just, gotta, you just gotta live your life quietly now and be content with that, right? Especially going from something that is so engaging, risking your life, making a world, making extreme changes to the world and having to just quietly sit back and say, you're done. It's definitely a blessing to have a purpose that you follow through all the way to the very end. And I believe those who do find their purpose and continue to follow them all the way through to the very end just might not realize just how blessed they are. It's hard to see those blessings in the moment sometimes. Usually it will take a moment where you have no purpose or you've done your purpose and then you have to look back and see, oh, I <laughs> I was happy. I was doing something. I was making a difference. Whether it was in one life or many, I was making a change. And nowadays in our generation, just seeing people make a change and aiming for more. Uh, especially when those who go back to their home country uh, and take what they learn and apply it there. It's amazing to see. Definitely one of my goals. Definitely one of my goals. Okay, now with the next story by Ghosty Parade called Many Voices Scream as One, Yet the World Moves On.
we say we do not remember. It is not quite a lie, but perhaps closer to the truth than it is comfortable. We do not know who we were, who we are, or who we will be, but we know we were once many, many voices, many hearts, with hopes and dreams and fears, so many fears. We do not know the faces, the names of the ghosts that vacant our past. They are gone and forgotten, a twisting guilt claws at us for the relief this small mercy brings. It is for the better. We remember the terror that gripped us, a grief that pained our bodies and bore wreckage upon our souls. It never left us, not truly. However, we have longed since stopped chasing the empty pangs of our humanity. We pretend not to hear the deafening cries of church bells as we gaze upon the spots that dot skin, like freckles, but we know we are not. We remember how they once oozed, balls erupting under too hot or too cold skin, bringing with it the desolation of the forgotten. We pray to gods that had forsaken us to the rot. They do not answer. So instead, we, the desperate, turned our pleas to something else. Something older. Something dead. A thousand voices screamed as one. And something answered. Sometimes we wish it did not. When all we know is the itching of existing wrong. Of being in a world where we have not vacated hundreds of years ago. Cramped in a form that should not be. We have not stopped screaming. We are drawn to the hurt. A moth to the flame. It burns and burns, but we cannot go away. We used to try to help, at least we think so, to stop the burning, pain, hurt, and fear. We see faces, they're all just blurred together. The bile sears our throat in mock vengeance. Something crawls beneath our skin. Their face of stark fear meets us as they stare into the not freckles, the wrong skin stretched far too thin over far too many bodies, yet not nearly enough. They act with an impulsive certainty, yet we know they do not see us. We try not to let it hurt. Do we make it worse? It does not matter. Still, we cannot stop. We do not walk the realm of the end, yet our place is not amongst the living. Deep inside our shared being, some voices whisper that it might be different next time. And other such menial comforts that draw a mocking of hope and false comforts. Their voices are dwindling. We do not yet know how we feel about that. Alright, now this story was fantastic and it involved two parties. The ones that were crying out for this dead god and then the dead god responding in that moment right hopefully you're able to catch that transition with my background in religion and spiritual beliefs i personally no longer follow religion i do believe in the level of spirituality though it's very interesting to see just how important a belief in life is and how far it can carry you where people will have their entire life be surrounded and consumed by one particular belief. Now in this case, it was almost cult-like, and there are a number of groups out there that 
you know, reflect this, unfortunately. One thing to always be sure about is that your belief system or the one belief that you hold dear to yourself is one that is not only just a blessing to yourself, but a blessing to those around you. In this story, it didn't seem like that was the case. However, it was interesting to see. A belief can definitely consume you if you let it. You just gotta hope that people who do have a belief or a belief system that they are consumed by, it yields good fruit and it doesn't yield a rotten result. Alright, the second to last story is called Musings by Capt by Cuspid. It's a quick motion, the pushing of feet against the ground, left foot, and then he's moving forward, right foot, and he's going faster, and again, and it assures only that he wouldn't stop moving forward in this not so great circuit filled with neon lights. It's entirely euphoric to move in a rink because unlike the streets, everyone present moved with him. Skating in a rink was one of his favorite Thursday night activities, especially when he went on his own. Skating is not entirely different from dance. It's just as soothing and just as delicate. It's a perfect state of mind in which to make difficult decisions. He liked to come skate to think, and he sure had plenty to think about. Not that he needed to worry about things. No, he just needed to think. A man who can think can follow his dreams, and Simon had dreams to chase. A friend further west had invited him to come stay out there to come stay in Seattle for as long as he liked. Namely, Cass wanted him to spend forever in Seattle, and Seattle was pretty far away. Cass didn't skate and wouldn't skate with him, but he did dance, and that wasn't too different, he didn't think. Maybe he could learn to dance. Abstract thoughts about Seattle took him away from skating, and suddenly he was gone. Then he was on the ground, on his rear, and then he was chuckling to himself and pulling back up on his feet. Seattle didn't sound so bad, It only sounded unfamiliar. He would leave many familiar things for one, for his best friend in the whole world, and some people he knew somewhere else. Someone passed by asking if he was okay, and Simon flashed him a grin with his nod and a thumbs up just in case the ever-moving neon lights left his good Samaritan unclear on his response. Thinking on Cass, Cass was probably feeling a little unclear on some responses right about now too. Maybe he'd be stepping out of a moving crowd too, heading for a bar, ordering a drink with an easy smile on his face. Simon had seen him do it many times before, that he could see it perfectly in his head. He got to see something special in his best friend in those moments between dances, something peaceful and easy that he would often feel with himself in this place on the rink. He maneuvered himself easily off the floor and onto the more wheel-resistant carpet, seeking somewhere to sit. He spent a while there, watching the people move under the lights, wondering about Seattle. He wondered if he'd be able to find a rink there. Perhaps he found himself learning how to dance instead, sitting in Cass's passenger seat and just watching the night lights from behind the window on the way somewhere else he'd never been. He had little to keep him here though, save for loose connections to family, a lease, and a job. He saw much more opportunity to chase those dreams he'd stored up with his best friend. He sighed and stood up again. He wasn't sure why, because he sat down almost immediately afterwards. He would miss them. He wasn't sure if he'd fly back for the holidays. He didn't think anyone would miss him. He'd been spending those special days with Cass for several years now, 
on account of the tension in the room every time someone walked through the door. So as long as he made those phone calls twice a month, they shouldn't worry too much. But there were jobs west, there were leases west, there had to be clubs for dancing and rinks for skating, alleys for bowling and bars for drinking. Cassie knew people out there, so maybe there were bigger holidays west too. Maybe there were more friends just waiting to skate with him and to dance with Cass. Maybe his dreams were there waiting for him, the ones he'd stashed away and the ones he hadn't realized yet. The only way to find out was to go. It is so refreshing to hear a story where someone's big dilemma is two good outcomes, right? Either they were to stay where they're at, enjoy what they're doing, and be very content with their life, or take a risk for something greater, right? Potentially greater. Yeah, I do love talking about desires in life. Because it really does show what kind of person you are and the character that you hold with the desires that you have, right? That's why we have this concept of hidden desires, things that we truly, truly want, but we just can't let be known, right? And of course, everybody has hidden desires, even myself. Will you guys ever find out? We'll see. to the last story this is by pg tyfling called he feels like home he feels like home that's what elijah has decided he will say when tolani or westra or god knows who else inevitably asks why why he stands so close to orion lately why he keeps intertwining his blood red or ice blue fingers with Orion's pale ones. Why he's taken to tucking what remains of his alvin blonde hair behind his ear when it falls into his face. Orion feels like home to Elijah, and by the world mother, he's so fucking homesick. It's not even like his home was a great place to begin with. If he's being completely honest with himself, it was a pretty fucking awful place for most of his time. The priests were strict. The food was mediocre at best. The other boys avoided him like the plague because of his devilish features. And of course, the relentless bullying. A good portion of it brought on by Orion himself. But back in Venia, there was no crystallized wolves or freaky time loops or total thomic seal of failure to be worried about. Orion, despite many flaws, and Elijah acknowledges he has many, reminds the tifling of a simpler time. There's a darker feeling underneath the simple nostalgic comfort too. Orion follows him like a sad puppy dog, and is just as obedient as one. It's a bit pathetic actually, but Elijah revels in the power trip of it all. After decades of Orion being the golden boy, shoving Elijah around and generally trying to make his life as shitty as possible, some twisted part of him is enjoying the fact that he holds the power now. As much as he hates to admit it, it feels goddamn good to finally be the one in control after all this time. To know that one wrong move from Orion means that Elf will end up on the wrong side of Tholani's sword. Sometimes, when he's tossing and turning, trying to fall asleep, he remembers a different home. A rundown inn in the port of City Vant. 
a bronze-skinned girl with a smile as white as the sea, a kiss on the lips, a kiss on the forehead, and the taste of ripe oranges bursting on his tongue. But that home is a continent away, and Orion is right here. He's right next door, and Elijah isn't strong enough to resist. Not when the world is ending anyways, and those blue eyes are as bright as they ever were all throughout his miserable youth. And besides, he thinks to himself half asleep, she wouldn't want me back. She was far too good for me. Orion and I deserve each other. The thought is strangely comforting as he drifts off for the night. That was the last story that I had for you guys. Now with this one, I know there'll probably be some controversial views regarding it and what the tone really was. I was personally trying for a much more sadistic tone because I got the energy from the writing of someone that had been bullied and abused, finally being able to enact their revenge on the person that had abused them and taking it so far as to now questioning why they still have them around and realizing that they're just too far deep to actually stop because they enjoy what they're doing however i can definitely see some other viewpoints towards the story and the tone of it all um either way i hope you guys enjoyed it but yeah based on the viewpoint i had initially i saw this as us having skeletons in our lives and having to address them whether we're gonna clean them up or accept them as something a part of our lives a part of our story and continuing on with those skeletons in the closet and that is the end of our journey through these six stories regarding life and of course hopefully with the commentary we came to similar conclusions regarding what each story represented and of course, one day, I would love to hear you guys' views and perspectives on this specific podcast, on these stories, whether it's through email or comments or even going to my YouTube channel to leave a comment there. Fantastic. I love the idea of being able to hear back from y'all. Like, that just sounds amazing to me. Now, going through these stories, starting with the pragmatic take, the first story, it was simply on the value of life. And within this story, this was done through the lens of someone who based their value on life through smoking, which was for them a non-negotiable. The inferiority story had the subject of the mind battles we will have in life. And I truly believe the greatest battle ever fought is definitely within the mind. Next with the story, what will be left for those without purpose? It spoke on obviously, you know, your purpose in life or discovering a purpose in your life. And I love the idea that you may very well have to create your own purpose in life. Now with the story, many voices scream as one, yet the world moves on. Try my best with, you know, a much more calm transition into that. But regarding the subject of that story, it was speaking on our beliefs in life, in my opinion. The second to last story, Musings, was definitely on desires 
and how much do your desires mean to you to chase after them or stand firm on your choice and with the last story he feels like home to me to really paint the picture for what i saw in the story well in life we all have our skeletons in our closet no one's perfect now either that will hold you back or be the reason you develop into a better person today I want you to recognize and give yourself the credit that you are doing your best to live a wholesome, fulfilled life with the tools and the knowledge you have now. And I hope that in the future, we can all look back and be proud on our lives that we lived. I know this was quite a different format to what I usually provide, but I hope you guys enjoyed it nonetheless. For me, I know I did. And I'm hoping y'all are fast asleep. Some of you are slightly awake, resisting but I know y'all will drift off soon and get the sleep you deserve. Alright, now, with that being said, have a good night, y'all. Sleep well and sweet dreams. <laughs>